Thank you so much for being a part of this message series, The Sea of Red. It's been super fun. Met a lot of neat people. In fact, we got more Husker athletes, people I've met after uh, we started this message series from basketball players to varsity golfers, and it's just been super fun. So we probably should do it again next year. Um, And, uh, you know, it's just been a great time. We've been looking at uh, the book of John, John 14, 15, 16, and 17. It's basically all the words of Jesus in, the, in those chapters. I hope that you've been able to grab a hold of how important these words are because these are right before Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, right before He is turned over to the authorities to be executed. Uh, and, and these are incredibly valuable uh, for us to understand who Jesus is and His heart. And so uh, when you open your Bible, typically uh, the words of Jesus are printed in red, thus the sea of red. That's what we're doing here this weekend. We close her down today with uh, a prayer that Jesus prays. Now, uh, I, I always think it's important to hear people pray. I love listening to my wife pray. It's very clear to me what's on her heart when she prays out loud. I hear her uh, passion for for our church, for uh uh, her family and for her gratefulness to God, always it just comes through. Uh, I, I, when I'm in an elders meeting and we have prayer together, I, I love listening to these people pray, and it just it comes through their heart and their passion for lost people and for and the boldness that's required to to do what we're doing. Uh, it, it just matters, and so I would encourage you to to pray together as family and. Pray out loud together as if you're married. Pray with, you know, that it just, it'll bring you great strength. Listen to this prayer. We thank you for your church founded upon your word that challenges us to, to do more than just sing and pray, but to go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depended on us and not upon you. Help us to realize that humanity was created to shine like the stars and live on through all eternity. Keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, live together until that day when all God's children, black and white and red and brown and yellow, will rejoice in one common band of humanity. In the reign of our Lord and our God, we pray. Amen. Martin Luther King Jr. Here are some other prayers. Dear God, please make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat and I don't want my mom to move out. Dear God, please help me get a smartphone. Santa must have forgot. Dear God, when will my sister stop being annoying? I am down to my last patience. So today we close down with the prayer of Jesus. From John chapter 17, verse 13. So here's the words of Jesus. Now I'm coming to you. So he's talking to God. Now I'm coming to you. I've told them, his disciples, many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. So here's the purpose. I told these things to them so they wouldn't get joy in their life. I've given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I do. 
Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as I sent, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for those, uh, but also for all who will ever believe in me. So this is for you as well, guys. This is for you and me. Not only praying for his disciples, but he says, for anybody else who comes along after them. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe in you, that you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you will love them as much as you love me. Father, I I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you. But I do. And the disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. So here's Jesus' prayer. First of all, he says, I want want you to protect these guys from the evil one. It's going to get ratcheted up pretty fast here. A lot of pressure, a lot of stuff, a lot of temptation. Uh, I, I want you to protect them from the evil one. Incredible prayer, right? Because he knows what's going to take place. One of the things I think that oftentimes in the Christian world is that we, we want to make heaven here on earth, right? And so we have our protective little Christian bubble that we want to have and where it's just really nice inside that bubble. We don't really care for a lot of people outside of the faith to be in our bubble. I think that's completely wrong because he says, I have sent you into the world. It's going to be messy out there. It's going to be difficult out there. I want to ask the, uh, the God you would protect people because a lot of people won't like what the message is. They're going to be very angry about it. And we certainly see that in our culture today, how angry people are about Christians and faith issues and those kind of stuff. It'd be my prayer still to this day that, that all of us would be protected from the evil one. Jesus calls us to be in the world, but not to be worldly. I want you to make a difference in the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk to you though you belonged to this world or though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you milk, not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you, were still, and you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? If you want to know if you're worldly or not, jealousy will be a part of your life. It just is. If, you want, if, if you're not of the world, jealousy doesn't enter into the equation much. You're pretty secure. Have you ever dated a girl that was jealous? Not fun, huh? And she wouldn't let you talk to another girl at the party or, or let me see your phone or where have you been constantly checking up on you. Now, you might have given her reason to do that. 
But at the same time, you go, I want to get out of here. This is terrible. I don't want to be Because jealousy wreaks havoc in any relationship. If you're, jealous, if you're jealous of your spouse, it's just going to cause problems. If you're jealous of your friends, it's going to cause problems. If you're jealous, right? It, 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 even churches can get jealous at times. Pastors do. If you're jealous, like, oh, it looks greener over there, looking better over there. All of a sudden, we're going to get into trouble. Proverbs 14, verse 30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. Here's how difficult jealousy is. Proverbs 27, verse 4. Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. James 4, 2. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what other people have. You can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. Distrust feeds jealousy. So Jesus' prayers here for us is that we would be protected from the evil one. Satan will do his very best to sabotage a marriage or a friendship or a church. He brings jealousy into the equations. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. Or boastful or proud. Or being sent into the world. The amazing thing to me about Jesus was, here's this perfect, right? He's just absolutely perfect. Never sinned. And yet he hung around people like you and me all the time. He was super comfortable with prostitutes and tax collectors. And they were super comfortable being around him. He had changed their lives. So be in the world, but don't be worldly. Another part of the prayer is, besides like be in the world, but don't be worldly, is that he prays for unity. John 17, verse 20 says, uh, I, I want you guys to be together, um, that, that we would be one. And the reason why is that he says, like, uh, if people see our unity, they will be attracted to it. But I think you would probably agree with me that the Christian community has been anything but unified. For crying out loud, how many denominations do we have? I mean, we could just go down the list. There's hundreds of them. It's just crazy. It's like, well, how come you don't get along with those people? And the world goes, well, that just doesn't make any sense at all. You don't like them because they, what, what? No, I like all the different styles and flavors that we have as a church. But at the same time, we've got to be unified. Other churches in our town are not the enemy. They're not, the, they're, in fact, they're our partners. We need good and strong and vibrant churches all over Omaha and Fremont and Miller. And throughout our world, in fact, if I'm jealous of another church or a pastor, it's just going to cause problems. In our denomination, we're a non-denomination denomination. So we talk, we're non-denominational, but we're denominational. Meaning we're just bad at it. We're not good at denominational stuff. Meaning we don't have a retirement plan. So, yeah, so we're not very unified. 
Um, but there's lots of churches like us. And in fact, we just, uh, some of our staff just got back from a national convention in Indianapolis where uh, thousands of people gathered. The best of our, uh, of our group and our tribe got together and we get amped up all the time. We have schools and mission agencies, organizations to support. And our little denominational group got started in the 1800s as a unity movement. They, basically, there was a group of people that said, we don't want to be Baptist or Episcopalian or Lutheran or Catholic or, uh, you know, Assembly of God. We just want to be Christians and Christians only. Now, we're not the only Christians, but we're going to try our very best to be Christians, right? And so they got unified around that thought and that dream of let's follow the Bible and let's obey Jesus, right? And so it's super simple. We're going to take the Bible seriously and we're going to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In fact, we had this saying, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, love. So in essentials, and there's just a few of them, there's like two that I would get super fired up about if all of a sudden our leadership at our church says, those are out of bounds. We're not following that anymore. One would be that the Bible is the inspired word of God. We believe the Bible to be true, right? And those things happened and they're not fairy tales and they're not, you know, now we like to say we take the Bible seriously. We just don't take ourselves too seriously. We haven't figured it out yet. But we do know that the Bible is the word of God. It's our truth source. That's super important to us. If the Bible is not our truth source, then we just, for the most part, are making it up as we go along. In fact, if we would just say, there's some in the Bible that I like and some of the stuff in the Bible I don't like, then I'm just making it up as I go along. I'm picking and choosing. Hey, I like this. I don't like this. I'm going to obey this, but I'm not going to obey that. That just makes me, right, my own true source. And that makes it very difficult to, right? This, it's just, um, it, it, it essentially leads to something like this. Um, he who dies with the most toys wins. If it feels good, do it. It might be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. Uh, if it makes you happy, go ahead. Uh, so uh, so uh, go for the gusto. Then it just to live your bliss, uh, live your truth, crying out loud, live your truth, and I can live my truth. And as long as your stupid truth doesn't get involved with my truth, I'm fine with that. But the problem is, is that I'm just make. I'm not God. I'm not, and neither are you. So let's try not to be. And let's just follow the word of God. Now a lot of people are following. You know, I'm I'm truly amazed at how much the Bible has been in the in the news lately have you noticed a lot of politicians like the bible now all of a sudden they want us to be more christian now they want us just to follow this little snippet as long as it makes their political agenda a little bit stronger and we're like well yeah but what about this and yeah but what about this and what about this and all of a sudden we're fighting with each other because we're not very christian when it comes to governing a nation not even sure we're supposed to be In fact, there's lots of churches today that are having uh, services evolve around God bless America. All right. Well, what about the people in Ecuador and in Canada and in India and Mexico? All right. I think we've got to be super careful with that stuff. That's just my opinion. 
Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. John three sixteen is cool. Second Timothy three sixteen is awesome, right? Any three sixteen I think is pretty cool. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Here's what the purpose is. It's the reason scripture is good is it teaches us what is true. I don't know how many times I had conversations with students all the time. It says, well, what makes that a sin? I don't know. That's just in the Bible. You're like, well, I don't think it's a sin. Okay, well, then that then you are the truth source. And you're not, right? That's crazy. So the Bible is what tells us what is right and what is wrong. It says all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize, here's what, again, the purpose of the Bible is, is to make us realize what is wrong in our own lives. It shouldn't, it's not to make us realize what's wrong in your life. It's to make me, my life. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. So we take the Bible seriously here. Try not to take ourselves too seriously. We have to be unified on the Bible as the Word of God. We have chosen to believe that. We also have chosen to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave and is alive today. He lived a sinless life. Those th- that's super essential to us. Now, there's a lot of non-essential things that we should have liberty or freedom to believe. There's lots of things. Crying out loud, it's fine. For the last couple of thousand years, we've been trying to figure out kind of some, some stuff, like when when is the end times going to happen? and Is it okay to have women serve as ministry? And, and there's lots of non-essential beliefs. And this is kind of typically how I figure out what's a non-essential belief. Let's say I die, and I'm at heaven, and Peter's there, and he's uh, at the gate, and I knock, and he says, yeah, and I said, my name's Mark Chitwood, just had a bad accident, and I'm here. Okay. And he's like, sorry about that. Um, got a couple of questions to ask you. I'm like, okay. He says, uh, um, did you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Is, had, did you make him your Lord and Savior? Yes, I did. One more question. Um, Did you let women serve communion in your church? Uh, Yeah. Going to hell. What? I didn't know that was important. Should have known. Should have known that. What were you thinking? Who was your pastor? Uh. How can you... It was super clear in Scripture that only women can clean it up. And they can pour it in the little cups, but don't let them pass it down the aisle. Now you think I'm being funny, but I'm, it's sad because we've had people leave our church because we let lim- women serve communion in this service. That seems ridiculous. It super is to me. Especially when we say it out loud. Now you can go to church where only men get to serve communion. That's fine with me. You're still Christians and you get to go to heaven that's fine. Do not rip me up one side or the other because you think that... Oh, by the way, we now have a woman elder. So there. That's what I usually say. <laughs> Again, we can argue about stuff in Scripture and all those kind of things. Um, and uh, whether or not we think Jesus is, gonna, is a premillennialist or a postmillennialist and all millennialist. We don't know, right? We're trying to figure it out. Let's not get super fired up about stuff that's not going to keep me out of heaven. Get super fired up about stuff that keeps me out of heaven, right? 
So when it says in essentials, right? Unity and non-essentials, liberty in all things, let's love each other. Crying out loud. I got all bent out of shape. Because you look at this differently and I look at this differently. Let's be united on the fact that Jesus is the Christ of the Son of the living God. And if you believe that, you're my brother and sister in Christ. And I'm going to partner up with you and your church to make sure that your church is strong and vibrant and healthy and growing. And we need you and you need us. And let's get this done and let's take it. Let's take the, the next hill uh, because this matters. A lot of stuff doesn't matter that we get all fired up about. In fact, people, can leave, people leave the church over all kinds of goofy things. Rarely do we ever leave it around the fact that, oh, I don't believe the Bible anymore. Some churches are kind of like wishy-washy on the Bible. Oh, my goodness. Even if Jesus is real or not. Okay. Last part of his prayer, he says, I, he prays that his followers would be with him. Amazing prayer. I pray that these guys that I'm with right now that they will be with me in heaven i'm not asking you to right but i'm asking you to to bring them with me sometime right that that they will see your glory we covered this a few weeks ago when we talked about that jesus said these incredible words of hope and comfort he said this i go to prepare a place for you that great what if he hadn't said that what if jesus hadn't said those words I go to prepare a place for you so that, that where I am going, you can be with me. And Thomas had to muster up enough courage to go, I don't think we know where you're going. <sighs> Thomas, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You can come, we're, we're, I'm going to get you there. I'm going to be your guide. I'm going to be your savior. I'm going to show you that in just a few short steps from here. Incredible prayer that Jesus prays for these disciples that they would be with him so that they could see the glory of God. That's still our prayer that God has for each one of us. That he wants all to be saved to understand this truth that Christ died for the ungodly. I know that's your prayer. I know that you pray that prayer as well. Many of you pray for family members who are, are, are far from God. Your, your prayer is that someday your husband or your wife or your children will find their way to faith in Christ. It's, it's on their heart all the time. I guarantee you, you, I know you pray that prayer. You pray for your co-workers and your neighbors. You carry it on to, to people outside of, uh, of, your, uh, of, uh, of our state. And we pray for our state in Nebraska as well. And for, uh, we we want to make a kingdom impact. We know that 8 out of 10 Nebraskans don't go to church. It's fairly clear that we've got a lot of work to do. We've got to get after it. It doesn't stop just there. We want all people to find their, their way to God. And what I've noticed about prayer is that prayer mostly changes me. So when I pray for lost people, it's amazing the more conversations I'll have with lost people. When I pray for... All, all of a sudden, I, my heart turns towards that. 
don't know what you're praying for. I hope that you will be praying for our church and our mission, your part in it. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen when he prayed this prayer, that in a matter of minutes he would be making his way into a a beautiful garden where he would spend intense minutes praying, so intense that that it would cause him to bleed. Because he knew that a moment Judas would show up with some soldiers and they would take him away. He just knew what was going to happen. Amazing to this prayer that that prayer led Jesus to obedience. It led Jesus to obedience. You can answer the prayer of Jesus as well today. He wants you to be with him in heaven. He truly does. So do I. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you give us your word your scriptures that have been inspired by you and that help us to realize what's wrong in our lives. For some of us today, here in this very moment, we have pushed the pause button just to have a little bit of correction in our hearts and our lives. Help us to do what is right. God, I have to believe that there's some people here today that are making their way back to you. For the last several weeks they've been in church and didn't even know exactly why they started going. Just felt like they needed to, but they're here and I pray that they have inched their way closer to you. They realize that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that you died for their sins and that you want them in heaven. Now, Father God, for those of us who are in Christ, that you would... Um, help us to realize that we are to answer your prayer today for unification of our church and for our, uh, our church community, that we should be unified and one, and that we should do our very best to, to not be of the world, but we're gonna, boy, we're going to be in the world and we're going to be rubbing shoulders with people all the time that need you. And then we're not going to chicken out and we're not going to lose heart and, and not going to be discouraged, but that we're going to be bold Because we don't want anybody to go to hell. I want to pray today for the churches in our city. Churches that need to be strong and courageous. I'm grateful that there's so many good churches in Omaha and Millard and Fremont. And we get to be a part of that equation. So here today, Lord, I want to pray for... I want to pray for Christ Community Church, for Brookside, for Westside, for First Christian Church. For Benson Baptist. For Lifegate. We need good churches. I want them to have a good day today. In Christ we pray.